This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Emma Dunphy. Now, in the United States this week, in fact, on Thursday, the US Supreme Court issued yet another decision that has disturbed many people. You could describe it as controversial, but maybe not. It's about positive discrimination, which has been in existence to counter discrimination against women, discrimination based on race, or other issues. And I'm not an unqualified supporter of positive discrimination, but it has been important for women. It's been important for African Americans in the United States and indeed for other ethnic minorities. Yesterday, the Supreme Court curbed a university or college's or school's ability to consider race when they're considering an admission a ruling that is believed could have far-reaching consequences for diversity policies at employers across the country. It's been also another troubling week for Donald Trump and indeed for Joe Biden, a very serious week. And we're joined now by Niall Stanich, who is the associate editor of The Hill, a respected Washington newspaper, and The Hill's White House columnist, Niall this Supreme Court decision came yesterday late. It is being described as controversial. President Biden, for one, has described this present conservative Supreme Court to which Donald Trump made, I think, three nominations successfully in his presidency. They recently ruled against Roe v. Wade, which was the abortion legislation, and that has proved to be very, very troubling indeed. Niall, thank you very much for joining us from Washington. This Supreme Court decision is a blow to something that's been around for a very long time, initially for women and then, of course, for people of ethnic minorities. They have ruled it cannot be a consideration when colleges and universities are considering people for places. Am I describing it correctly? And could you elaborate on what it means? 
You are describing it correctly, um, although it is complicated in its consequences and in exactly how it will work. You're right that for roughly half a century here, there has been an acknowledgement that colleges and universities uh, needed to become more diverse and needed to address uh, discrimination in their admissions processes. Uh, that was something that was dealt with or, or uh, attempted there was an attempted remedy, which was the uh, consideration of race when it comes to such admissions. So the Supreme Court on Thursday has said, no, colleges cannot now consider race, uh, consider the race of an applicant. Here's where it gets um, slightly complicated, Eamon, that you can't consider race just as shorthand. You can't say this applicant is black or Hispanic, therefore we want them. It will still be legal for applicants to talk about how they have been affected by uh, race or any other part of their identity in their lives, whether they have been directly impacted by racial discrimination or not, for example. You can still do that. But nonetheless, this um, dismantling of uh, race-based affirmative action for colleges and universities is, is clearly a significant decision. One other point, I'll just, uh, we can maybe talk about this more, Eamon, but in general, you mentioned the Roe versus Wade, the overturning of Roe yes. versus Wade, which was an unpopular decision by the Supreme Court. Yes. The politics of this one are much more unclear, in part because one of the strongest cases made against the consideration of race was that it was having the effect in college admissions of being unfair to Asian Americans who, in effect, were having to perform at a far higher level than, in fact, any other ethnic group in order to have the same uh, chances of admission to these elite uh, colleges and universities. Yes, incidentally, they ruled also that the military can continue with positive discrimination. Mm. The business community fears that it could be the next target of similar challenge. And they've been watching this case very closely. Dozens of large American companies, including American Airlines, General Electric, Meta, which I think used to be Facebook, Google and Apple, filed a brief in support of the colleges who were arguing that barring universities from considering race in student admissions would undermine businesses' efforts to build diverse work forces. So this is perhaps only the opening salvo in what could become a very hot war. Yes, pretty much so. And I think the employment issue is crucial. Just to summarize a whole bundle of employment law, it is legal for employers to try to create an environment that, that welcomes as many applicants as possible or welcomes people from diverse backgrounds to, say, apply for promotion. It is not legal, understandably, for employers to say, we're going to give the job to that person because he or she is white or black for that matter. So the question is, what happens in, to things in the middle ground, like, for example, leadership training programs for people who are members of ethnic minorities or um, mentorship programs directed at, uh, or uh, intended to foster employment growth from people who are ethnic minorities, are those discriminatory 
or not. And I think we're going to see that issue being fought out increasingly in the courts in the months and years to come. Yes, and it is worth pointing out that Clarence Thomas, the first African-American ever to be elected to the Supreme Court and an avowed extreme conservative, voted with the majority on this matter. It's also worth noting that Justice Sonia Sotomayor, who is also from an ethnic minority, wrote a passionate dissent, which she spoke about afterwards. So it's the beginning of something that could be profoundly influential. And as the business lobby or business interests declare, it could make it very difficult to have a diverse workforce because if you can't get past the college Mm. hurdle, then you face problems down the road. Yeah, that's right. And that's a really important point. And that is the thing that employers have warned about, that it's not only about whether they, the employers, will get sued because of these diversity programs. It's also the idea that you're narrowing or winnowing down the the pipeline of recruits yes. uh, to to them. Um, one thing I'll say, Eamon, not, not to uh, split hairs, uh, Clarence Thomas is, was the second uh, African-American on the Supreme Court. Thurgood Marshall was a very uh, reforming course, yes. just liberal justice in earlier decades. We should say also that and remind ourselves that, you know, people regard Donald Trump really as a clown, mm. at least, but probably mm. somebody much worse. He has been likened to you know, a mafia don, actually, and by perfectly respectable people in the way that he operates. And we know that Mitch McConnell, who was the majority leader in the Senate, the Republican leader in the Senate, is known to detest Trump and abhor him in many ways, but put up with him to get this. Because if you get three justices on the Supreme Court, Mm. everything else can be forgiven. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, clearly we have seen that in this case and in the uh, so the Dobbs case, which was the one that overturned Roe versus Wade, yes. it's also worth uh, pointing out, Eamon, that I'm speaking with you early on Friday morning here in Washington. There are two cases that are almost certain to be decided later today. One pertaining to President Biden's uh, program to effectively forgive a certain amount of student loans, uh, and another one on a uh, web designer, Christian web designer, who has said that she should not be obligated to design websites for same-sex marriages. Um, You know, those are the kind of uh, divisive and, and, you know, important issues that the Supreme Court rules on. all the time. And so Trump, having successfully nominated three justices to the Supreme Court, will have an impact for decades to come, irrespective of how he does in next year's election. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Now, as Niall Stanage indicated earlier in our podcast, we were talking on Friday morning. It was the last day of the US Supreme Court's sitting for the season before the summer. And later, after we'd finished speaking to Niall about the first controversial decision, which was to do with affirmative action in schools and colleges and the abolition of it, the US Supreme Court made another decision, which, if anything, may well be more troubling indeed. The Supreme Court threw out President Joe Biden's student loan relief scheme, which many regard as a fatal blow to one of this administration's flagship programs that would have wiped out billions of dollars of debt from millions of Americans. A 6-3 decision it was penned by the Chief Justice John Roberts. And Niall has joined us again. Niall, thank you very much for alerting us that there would be two more decisions, in fact, one about LGBTQ+, which we'll come to in a moment. But this decision about the student loans, 430 billion of student loans were to be forgiven. This is a flagship policy of this Biden administration. And many people now say the court is directly interfering with legislation. What's the general view? This seems to me to be a huge blow to the Biden administration, but a direct interference by the Supreme Court in an administration policy which has just been announced. Well, first of all, the political impact of it, I think you're quite right, is likely to be considerable, not only because this is a landmark move or was a landmark move by the Biden administration, but because it had the capacity to increase enthusiasm for Biden among younger people. I mean, obviously, some people have been paying student loans for a long time, but generally speaking, younger people would be affected by this. Yes. That is a constituency that Biden has had difficulty eliciting much enthusiasm from. And so this being struck down is a significant problem for him. 
As far as the interference question is concerned, the conservative justices were arguing that the administration had basically exceeded its lawful authority because this program did not, it wasn't passed through a a bill of Congress. It was done under a power that had been uh, vested in the administration and the Secretary of Education in particular. And that is, I suppose, the key, that it hadn't gone through the Houses of Congress. It was a kind of stroke-for-pen decision, yeah? Yes, that's right. And so the Mm. Conservative justices arguing that that was excessive and a breach of authority. Now, the the politics of this are kind of complicated, Eamon, because, of course, it is still ultimately a minority of Americans who go to college in the first place. Yes. And so there has always been a bit of a, a backlash against this program from people arguing that those uh, around 60% of Americans who don't go to college are essentially um, yes. footing the bill for those who do. And that's where the politics of it get complicated. Is there any appeal against this Supreme Court decision or does the Supreme Court have the final say? The Supreme Court has the final say, but Biden has not given up on some sort of debt relief measure. There's two prongs to that. One is that uh, within hours of that decision, the administration was making the case that it's going to try to ease the repayments for people whose repayments are now going to have to recommence. Um, The other bigger part of the picture is an attempt to work around the court rather than directly challenge it. There is some suggestion that the Biden administration will use another separate power in a similar kind of way, stroke of the pen again, and try to get that one through. But You know, as you can imagine, Eamon, the expectation is that any similar move would face the same kind of legal challenge and could ultimately end up before the Supreme Court again. Would there be some merit, Niall, in the idea that a policy that has gone through the House and the Senate has more legitimacy than a stroke of the pen policy by a president? There would, absolutely, but it is becoming more and more difficult to do that. One of the battles that has been fought here for the last, uh, certainly since Obama was president, was how much executive power does a president actually have? And if you look at Obama and Trump, and actually, and then Biden, there's an increasing reliance on executive power, stroke of the pen measures, because it is just so difficult to get things through a very divided Congress, where the incentives often line up to block a president rather than to cooperate with him. Yeah, and of course, the Supreme Court itself, given that Donald Trump was able to put three conservative judges on it Mm. and therefore create a built-in 6-3 majority for the Roe v. Wade, say, the abortion, Mm. the reversal of that, which has had a huge effect and will continue to have a huge effect in the states where it's applied This Supreme Court now seems to be very determined and to extend, shall we say, the powers of the Supreme Court. I just want to ask a final question on this matter. I mean, I remember the 60s and 70s when what might be called the progressives or the Democrats had a majority in the Supreme Court, and we weren't complaining then. Mm. At least I wasn't. You're too young to remember. (laughs) But there was sort of a progressive trend, which was reflected in Roe v. Wade, for example, in 1973. So, now it's our turn, is the argument. 
No, it is. And I mean, in fact, some of the Republican candidates for president are making that argument in more or less explicit terms. Um, Nikki Haley, the former ambassador to the United Nations, was talking over the weekend about the Supreme Court as righting wrongs. I mean, not to go too big picture here, Eamon, but I mean, obviously, the Supreme Court decides some of the most important and most divisive issues in American life. And American politics, for all its faults, you know, it's about big questions a lot of the time. You know, what are the powers of a president? What are civil rights of of, uh, vulnerable groups versus individual business owners? All these kinds of things. And so it it is clearly seen by conservatives as an antidote or a corrective to the kind of uh, period that you're talking about. Yes, and I just say in passing that in terms of election law and making life more difficult for people more likely to vote Democrat. Supreme Court has had something to say about that as well. I just want to ask you about the other decision they made after we'd spoken, Niall. In this, the court ruled in favour of a Christian website maker, arguing she should not be forced to serve a same-sex couple and design what they wanted for their website. This reminds me of a Northern Ireland case in Ireland 2014 Mm. where the owners of a confectionery shop who were devout evangelical Christians refused to make a wedding cake with the words, we are proud to be gay or words of that sentiment. And the people who wanted that cake made in that way went to court and won in Northern Ireland When the case went to the European Court of Human Rights, the couple who had the shop won the case. Mm. So it's an interesting, but I wonder, given that this is a a finding against a same-sex couple, there was some conversation over the weekend, I know, in the United States about was this the beginning of a move against same-sex marriage and other, you know, rights of LGBT, BTQ plus people that the court might take a trip down that road. Mm-hmm. That's certainly the view of the liberal minority on the court. And in fact, Sonia Sotomayor, one of the three liberal justices, made uh, almost exactly that argument in her dissenting opinion from this judgment. She argued that this decision had given wrongly, obviously in her view, a constitutional right to refuse to serve people, you know, on the basis of their sexuality. Now, this is a really interesting case because one of the things that uh, won the day for the conservative side was arguing that this website designer, her business was covered by free speech provisions in the opinion of the conservatives. And so they argued that forcing her to make these websites for same-sex couples was obliging her to, and this is an exact quote, create speech she doesn't believe. And that was what the conservative majority held. It is a huge decision. It's obviously something that is seen in 
completely different lights, depending on whether you take the view that it's an LGBTQ rights case or it's a religious liberty case, as yes. conservatives w- would argue. Um, there was a poll already done on this, Eamon, and just to highlight the level of division, an ABC News poll, 43% of Americans approved of the Supreme Court decision, 42% disapprove, 14 right. don't know. So that shows how even of public opinion is on this matter. A reflection, perhaps, Niall, of the polarization on mm. so many things in the United States at this moment. For sure, exactly. And we're seeing those battles being fought out in the Supreme Court and more still to come. There's one just, I, I, I didn't, we didn't intend to talk about this, Eamon, I know, but the Supreme Court has decided to take in its next term a case about whether some people who have domestic violence restraining orders against them should or should not be banned from carrying guns. Um, there are restraints yes. in place in some cases, and now there's a suggestion that that restriction might be lifted, which would be quite a decision. But anyway, we'll see that next term. Now, another story this week, and an important one, concerns Hunter Biden, the troubled son of the President Joe Biden. He had struck a plea bargain deal mm. with the Department of Justice. These are deals that are offered, and they are rubber-stamped usually by a judge, and the judge that is due to hear and confirm this is a Trump appointee, but even so, it was felt that it is extremely rare for these plea bargains, once agreed with justice, to be turned down by a judge, but he's in more trouble. He is because a whistleblower has emerged from the IRS, the Revenue Commissioners here, and That whistleblower is arguing that in the investigation into Hunter Biden, there was political interference. And to make a very long story short, the allegations here are that people involved in that investigation either, well, basically went soft on Hunter Biden Mm -hmm. for fear of alienating Joe Biden, even before Joe Biden was present. And so the idea is that these people frustrated the investigation or thwarted search warrants or did other actions that had the effect of making it easier for Hunter Biden to wriggle out of the more serious charges. The whistleblower, it's worth emphasizing, Yemen, is a a credible person. That's not to say that everything he says is true, but he's not Uh, a whack job by any stretch of the imagination, nor does he have any uh, particularly obvious partisan motivation in coming forward, at least from what we know so far. The whack job is the guy (laughs) who got three people on the Supreme Court. (laughs) i just give people a moment to reflect on that. Anyway, so more trouble for Hunter Biden. How will this be resolved? There are going to be hearings and... uh, Naturally enough, it is Republicans who have seized upon these allegations. The allegations were made in behind-the-scenes testimony that this whistleblower gave to a House of Representatives committee. That testimony only became public last week. Now we have a situation where uh, Republicans in the House are calling on senior officials to come and testify to them. Um, again, not to just sort of confuse people with all the various complications of this, one key allegation is that the person who was supposedly in charge of the investigation actually had to seek permission from prosecutors who'd been appointed 
by Democrats, by President Biden in some cases. There's a conflict as of evidence as to whether that was actually the case or not. So those Republicans want to speak to that guy who was purportedly in charge of the whole thing. Now, another problem arose for President Biden this week as well. It was an interview on television which underlined his frailties mm. and his memory and indeed his, should we say, cognitive faculties. It did. That's right. I mean, there were well, there've actually been a, another one of those since I last spoke to him. And but uh, twice in twenty four hours, President Biden referred to the war that is actually taking place in Ukraine as in Iraq. And he, for example, at one fundraiser, talked about how he had got NATO completely united against the onslaught on Iraq. Amen. And in another occasion, said that Vladimir Putin was losing the war in Iraq. Uh, not great, obviously, um, yes. and, you know, does heighten all those concerns. Subsequent to since we last spoke, Eamon, there was another TV interview where the president was uh, cogent during the interview, but immediately it was over, and while the show was still on air, got up from his seat and uh, walked off uh, set. Not angrily, he just got up and walked yeah. away, uh, which looks awkward, especially for a man who knows how TV works and doesn't, you know, isn't inexperienced in these things. Before we leave, Biden, just a question about his numbers. And from our conversation so far, it's clear, and everybody I think knows now, how vital it would be for President Trump not to reappear next autumn, given the way the world is at the moment. So, Biden's numbers vis-a-vis -vis Trump and the Biden's numbers per se. Yeah, I mean, Biden's numbers are pretty bad. They're particularly bad on the economy, even though inflation has come down fairly significantly here. That is clearly still hurting Biden and the Democrats. In a head-to-head matchup with Trump, it's almost precisely even. There are some right. polls that Biden has an advantage of a couple of points, but you wouldn't be taking much comfort from that if you were him or if you were in the White House this far out from an election running against or hypothetically running against a man who has been impeached twice and now criminally indicted twice. Now, we, we know, Niall, that former President Trump was in court in Florida recently and has been indicted on the criminal charge of basically espionage, actually, for hiding classified documents or not hiding them taking them from the White House and keeping them in full view of everyone who travelled in and out of bathrooms and stuff and cloakrooms in Mar-a-Lago. It's a terribly serious charge. Jack Smith is the prosecutor from the Department of Justice who has taken the charge. He's very fairly, if you like, cited it not in Washington, where he'd have a better chance, people believe, of getting a conviction, but in Florida, where Trump lives and is very popular. Now, there is another case that I think almost everybody can understand, see, and believe Trump is very culpable. This is the pressure he put on an official in Georgia to find extra votes. The tape is there. Everyone, almost everyone who's interested has heard him ask the man Raffensberger, who is a very senior figure, who voted for Trump. He's a Republican, but he refused when Trump asked him to find 11,000-plus votes, which was one more that would give him victory in Florida. Can you explain the case briefly and say 
we know Raffelsberger has been before a grand jury, I think. That is right. So the case, I mean, you've summarized it pretty well. There was this rather threatening phone call from Trump to Brad Raffensperger, the Republican Georgia Secretary of State. Trump asked him to find enough votes to overturn President Biden's margin of victory there by one vote. And Raffensperger, who is a conservative Republican, to his credit, declined to do that. And it was a, has, a long phone call. I mean, I listened to mm, it. I'm sure you listened to it. Mm, Everyone's heard it. It was over 30 minutes, maybe almost close mm, to an hour, in which he persisted. That, yeah. yeah, no, that's my memory of it. I mean, Trump persisted very much. And on one occasion, and I don't have this quote in front of me, but basically threatened Raffensperger that refusing to comply with Trump's demands would put Raffensperger in some peril, legal or otherwise. I mean, it... it that that's not the case. I mean, Trump was was bluffing, but it was a very ominous phone call. So the key, and he was the, still the president, and this the was in the interregnum between handing over before January sixth, mm. which was another attempt of coup. This was also an attempt to interfere with the result of the presidential election. That's right. Trump was desperate to start making the dominoes fall, really, to delegitimize the election before he had to give up office. And this was part of the attempt. The, the idea basically was, if you could overturn Georgia, then you could use that as leverage to call other states into question. Yes. If you called another, enough states into question, you'd deprive Biden of victory, and then you could throw it to yes. Congress, where you would have, in Trump's case, rather um, some rather craven allies. Which actually segues into the point that you're asking about. Brad Raffensperger was apparently called in um, by investigators working for Jack Smith uh, this Wednesday past. And that's significant because that is part of Jack Smith's probe that was initially around sort of January the 6th and, and ultimately the handing over of power. There's a, there's, we already knew there was a separate legal probe in Georgia itself. But what this new development of bringing Raffensperger into Jack Smith's people that shows that really Smith is continuing to look very seriously at the attempts to overturn the election. So there could ultimately be criminal charges in two places over this phone call that we're talking about. Yeah, and from what we have seen, this appears to be an open and shut case, doesn't it? Well, this the phone call speaks for itself. I mean, I'm not sure how any reasonable-minded person could listen to that recording, as you and I have done, and thought that that was fine or that that wasn't uh, inappropriate or wasn't undue pressure. It is the sitting president of the United States calling an elected official in a state and threatening him uh, that he has to overturn the result of an election or face some sort of vague consequence. I mean, I don't know in what universe that can be considered okay. No, and this goes to a point, doesn't it, that has been... We, we made it, I think, before, and others have made it in the United States in relation to the Mar-a-Lago business and the classified documents, that Trump's only chance of avoiding a prison sentence for this particular matter in Georgia would be to win the presidency next November. 
I mean, that would clearly, I, I think that one of the reasons that Trump is perceived to have declared his candidacy so early was so that he can paint all these legal probes as politically motivated and as an attempt to hobble his chances. There is, you might remember this back from the, the days of Robert Mueller, there is a tradition that a sitting president cannot be charged with crimes, that Mueller yes. referenced that extensively in his report. And so if Trump were to be elected again, he would be able to claim what is de facto immunity, whether you call it that or not, because he would be able to lean upon that tradition that a sitting president can't be charged. Now, I have seen in the last 24 hours a newspaper report suggesting that Trump's appeal is waning because people are tired of the drama. There is evidence of that in terms of the general population. And it is true, I think, that President Biden has a better chance against Donald Trump than almost any other Republican that the, uh, that the Republican Party might put up. The complicating factor or the caveat is within the Republican Party, there's not a lot of sign of that waning appeal. In fact, Ron DeSantis, whom you and I have spoken about before, Eamon, the has gov been the governor bit, of Florida, won't you say? That's right, governor of Florida, who has been widely perceived to be Trump's most serious rival. Uh, DeSantis has made very, very little progress in the first month of his campaign. Obviously, the exact poll findings depend on which one you look at, but he's about 30 points behind Trump, even among Republican voters nationwide. So, I mean, right now, Trump is the overwhelming favorite to become the Republican nominee, even as you're right, there is polling that suggests that the American people writ large are tired of the drama and chaos that he always brings in his wake. Now, the primaries for the race to be the Republican candidate begin in August. That's correct, isn't it? The debates, the first debate debates, in August. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. in the primaries. And... It's certain, is it, that Trump will be the nominee? Well, he in, in terms of the debates, he has said that he may not go to the first one, and he's yeah. citing various things, including his lead. The Then you have the caucuses and primaries themselves, which begin early next year. I don't think it's certain that he would be the nominee, but I would not advise anybody to bet <laughs> on anyone else. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the odds are on the Donald, but I mean, he's way, way ahead right now. And the other question, Eamon, you know, among when it comes to a Republican primary is, look at all the things that have not derailed him, you know, yes. being indicted, being impeached, January the 6th, the phone call that we're talking about in Georgia, all the various crude personal attacks mm. and personal behavior. And he's still the overwhelming favorite. So then the question arises, well, if none of that bothers Republican voters overly much, what would? And, and there isn't an obvious answer to that question. And just a final question, Niall, to you about your own perception. You are notoriously <laughs> fair. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded ominous. <laughs> notoriously even-handed. I can see a strong case for Joe Biden in the way he has galvanized NATO, funded the Ukrainians against the Putin invasion. Mm. Indeed, things he's done 
in the American economy, the billions he's poured in, there's the green initiatives. It seems to me that he said, okay, damn it, they may get me, but I'm going to do a lot. And that he has done a lot. Uh Is that wishful thinking? Or could one say that the Biden administration has, in many respects, particularly given the geopolitical situation, it's standing up to China, you know, the Secretary of State's visit to China last week, his own inability to distinguish between Iraq and Ukraine notwithstanding, that it hasn't been bad, or am I completely off the wall? No, you're not completely off the wall. I mean, Biden has done a lot. Legislatively, he's done an enormous amount in terms of infrastructure, in terms of investment. Uh, Those terms can sound kind of abstract. There have been 13 million jobs created here during the time of the Biden administration. Unemployment has come way down. Inflation, which was so high, has been curbed very successfully. You mentioned some of the other things like, you know, green-related policy and all of that. The problem, in short, is he hasn't got very much credit for it. Now, whether the failing there lies with the White House communications apparatus or whether it lies with uh, unfair media coverage, or whether it's just that people are frustrated with the general political culture here, or it's the Biden age thing, maybe all of the above. The thing is, you know, his allies would say he should be doing better. And I think that is certainly a legitimate argument to make. The fact of the matter is, He's not, and the fact of the matter is it's going to be a serious dogfight for him to try to get a second term. If the Hunter Biden, and this is the last question, Mm. if the Hunter Biden thing gets out of control and stuff, and there there is apparently some bad stuff around there, that could Mm. derail him as well. It could, and it could also have the more immediate effect that it would dominate the news headlines, which would exacerbate the problem that I was just describing, where he's not actually getting attention or credit for the better parts of his record. Niall Stanich, Associate Editor of The Hill newspaper in Washington. Thank you very much for joining us. We're grateful, as always, to Niall. He's a brilliant reporter. To all of you for listening, that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.